Hey folks, you guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com haunted. That's masterclass.com haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com haunted. I'll see you there. Haunted American History presents Seclusion Steve. Level's good? Okay. Today is uh, January 18th, 2023. My name is Vince LaRusso. I'm a detective with Grafton, Vermont Police Department. All recordings and testimonies heard today are pertinent to the case of Annie Marie Singleton. Miss Singleton was last seen on January 4th, 2023. Joining me today is the sister of Miss Singleton. Mrs. Sorry? My sister is still married, technically. I, I apologize, um, Mrs. Singleton. Betsy, would you uh, introduce yourself for, for our records? Yes, my name is Elizabeth Stewart. I am the younger sister of Annie Singleton. Firstly, I'd like to thank you for uh, your cooperation in this case. We know this is a difficult time for you and your family, so I want to thank you for making the effort, taking the time from your schedule to you know, helping us solve this case. So. Thank you. Of course. Betsy, you're coming here today of your own free will to help us better understand your sister by listening to her last known communications, whether it be her own self-recorded messages, a phone call sent to her, phone call she placed to someone else, any form of uh, communication you can help us dissect during this most recent time period in which she was alone. Can you confirm that's why you're uh, present today? Yes, I'm here to help figure out what happened to my sister. Thank you, Mrs. Stewart. Miss Stewart, I'm I'm not married. The patriarchy is bullshit. Thank you, Miss Stewart. Annie Singleton was a resident of New York City 
On November 29th, Mrs. Singleton left New York City to go on vacation to Grafton, Vermont. Is that correct, Betsy? Yes. Well, um, more of a retreat. Her agency got her a house for two weeks so she could write. Sorry, before we begin, would you like any water or coffee? Brought my own coffee, but thank you. Well, if you ever want us to stop or take a break, please don't hesitate to ask, okay? Okay, thank you. We will begin by listening to document number 1023-831A, dated November 29th at 10.33 a.m. This conversation is between Miss Singleton, Mrs. Singleton, apologies, and her literary agent, Michelle Hansen. It is the first known communication that Mrs. Singleton had after leaving her residence in New York City. Steve, would you uh, play the recording, please? Hi, Michelle. How was your Thanksgiving? Stellar. You? It was nice. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, got the whole fam together. It was nice. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Are you excited for your little retreat? Yes, I am. I'm having a lot of trouble hearing you. Are you in the car? Sorry. Uh, one second. How is that? Is that better? Oh, that is much better. It's like we're in the same car now. <laughs> Sorry for the delay in sending you guys something. It's just been a little hectic on my end lately. Lots of, um, everything. <laughs> oh, no need to apologize. Tis the hectic holiday season, am I right? <laughs> right. Uh, I'll give you a call once I'm settled in up there to check in. Oh, I thought you were in Vermont already. Not yet, hence the car. But I should be there in no time. Like, five or... Five hours? Six, maybe? Oh, we're just so excited to see the new script. You know how much we love your love stories. I hope not to disappoint. Oh, you won't. Say hi to the maple syrup for me. <laughs> now, let's check in in a couple of days. How does that sound, Annie? All right. Sounds great. Michelle, thank you. Okay, great. Talk soon. Betsy, how was your sister's state of mind prior to her trip up to Vermont? State of mind? Yeah, did she seem upset or depressed prior to her trip? No more than usual. If you can, we'd like you to elaborate as much as possible. Anything you can think of to potentially help us. No details too small or irrelevant. We want you to feel comfortable telling us as much information as you can recall because it will help our investigation. Does that make sense? Yes. So in terms of your sister's state of mind prior to her trip, how do you recall it? She, Annie, my sister, was never really... She isn't. Uh, she isn't like a jovial, bubbly type of personality. She was awesome in other ways. She was always the funniest person in the room. She was always the smartest person in the room. She was always the most interesting person in the room, at least to me. I know, cliche, big sibling is your hero, but I believe that, still do. In terms of her state of mind, she sees the world through her own lenses, if that makes sense. What do you mean by that? There's no fluff or bullshit with her. She has the ability to see any situation from any angle. She's the only person I know that can do that, that I know. And when you see it from every angle, that can feel really heavy, especially as you get older and meet more people. Did that answer your question? Would you say she was feeling anxious or depressed prior to her trip up to Vermont? 
a little anxious, maybe. How so? Well, pressure to write something. Her agency wanted a manuscript and she had been pushing it off for a while. Why had she been pushing it off? The endless divorce meetings, not to mention the state of the world in general, you know. Of course. Uh, has Annie ever expressed suicidal thoughts? No, no, but depression does run in our family. Could you elaborate on that, please? Our parents had their own issues, and they never felt present, at least not for her. She was the oldest, so they put more pressure on her. Her and my mother had an odd relationship. They just, they were very alike in some ways. In some ways, they were total opposites. And my mother had very high hopes for her, so they would clash occasionally. They saw themselves in each other. And that can be frustrating when you're not living up to your own potential. <laughs> I mean, that's just my take. I'm not a psychiatrist. When was the last time you saw your sister? In person? Correct. In person, I saw her about five months ago. How often would you generally see each other? Used to be every other month. Over time, it became less frequent with her work and my kids. We just, it's hard as you get older. And what were the circumstances during your last time together? My mother's funeral. May I ask how she passed? My mother had been very sick. Dementia. She began to forget things. Sometimes she would forget who we were. Calling us by the wrong names. I don't know if you've ever dealt with dementia. I've had friends who have. It's, it's devastating. It is. She refused to take medication because of her own mother, which is a long story. And one night she left the fireplace unattended, went to bed, took her sleeping pills. And by the time she woke up, the smoke was too intense. She fell while trying to get out of her, um, while trying to get out of the house. The, the smoke suffocated her. Our living room turned to ash. I'm very sorry for your loss. Thank you. Did you get along with your mother? Yes. And no, she could be demanding, but, you know, always food on the table, roof over our head, instilled um, a work ethic. So I don't want to complain too much. And how was your relationship with your father? Dad passed away when we were in college. May I ask? Heart attack. That must have been really hard on the both of you. Yes. You mentioned Annie was a writer. She is a writer. What kind of writer? Thrillers. She writes novels. One of them got adapted into a movie when she was younger, and that got her a lot of money. I mean, like, a lot for her. And then a lot of people started wanting a lot from her, people she didn't know. So she kind of broke down. How'd she break down? Drinking too much. Went to get help for a while. And then when she got out, she was really good for a while. She met Ken, got married. And then after a couple of years, she started using again. Using what? Substance abuse runs in the family. What substances? Drinking. Pills. The same time? Yes. Had she been going through any substance abuse issues prior to her trip? No. She'd been sober for about a year and a half. That's what she told me last time I saw her. Do you think that she would lie to you about her sobriety? No. We never lied to each other. No matter what it was, we were always honest. Thank you, Ms. Stewart. We are now going to listen to the next communication from Mrs. Singleton. You may recognize the other person on this phone call. This is document number 1023831B, dated November 29th at 6.42 p.m. Steve, would you play the tape, please? Hello, Django. Hello, Cash. 
all settled up in there? It's Vermont, not Deliverance. Well, I'm sure they got some weird backwards action up there. You love your backwards action. Show me your digs. I'll give you the virtual tour tomorrow. Oh no, I'm running around all day tomorrow with the kids. Show me, show me, show me, show me. Bats, I'm so beat. I was in the car for like eight hours, and then when I stopped for coffee, I spilled it all over my boots because big tit barista didn't put the lid on tight enough and Alan. Tour! Tour, tour, tour! Oh, Betsy. Showing off is the best part about nice things, Annie. Ugh. All right. Ah! All right. Okay. Um, here is the... Den? Woohoo! Den? I'm gonna say den. Oh my god. You have a den. I'd kill my kids for a den. Jesus, Bets. Well, I mean, not my kids. Like, definitely my neighbor's kids. One of them keeps peeing on my gardenias. Okay, and this is my yard. Oh, that's, that's not a yard. That is a field. No, oh, what's the difference? Size, baby. You got a field, and they're paying for this? No, they're calling it a retreat. You know, get me out of my funk. You're not my funk. You're just a loser with no skills. Have I told you that I love you? How big are those woods? I don't know, but it's freezing. Where are your neighbors? I don't know. Don't care. Well, what if you meet a sexy mountain man? Vermont doesn't have mountain men. How do you know? What kind of porn are you watching? Keep touring, baby. Okay. Den. And over here... Um... Ugh, that artwork. Uh, living room. How old is this house? Old. It's beautiful. Look at the... And, um, kitchen... Dining room. Oh, no, you're rushing. Let me soak it in. I'm so tired, and this is day 19 without cigarettes. Who told you to start smoking when you were 13? Joey Fitzsimmons. Ah, oh, Joey Fitzsimmons. Still the best kisser I ever met. So hot. Yeah, that jean jacket. Oh, over the faded jeans. Do you remember the Canadian tuxedo? Every night, baby. Mm. Every night. Tour! <sighs> yes, fine. All right. Dining room. See, and stairs. Uh, cabinets. Oh, uh, can you make up fake facts during the tour? Fake facts? Wine and dine me a little. Give me some foreplay. Come on. You're a writer. Ugh, I need a cigarette. Okay, okay. Bedroom! Hold your panties. I love creaking stairs. Why? Well, it tells you where people are in your house. Mine are too quiet. My kids are like ninjas, especially when me and the man are getting frisky. I'm winking, Annie. I can feel your wink. Okay. Uh... Right. Hallway. Are you out of breath? Lay off. I was in a car all day. You still doing yoga? Yes, mom. No, mom would never ask you about yoga. It was the tone, Tango. The tone. Oh, bathroom. That bathroom. Wow, bathroom. Okay. Um. Huh. Holy shit! I'm coming up. Oh, now you want to hang? Cause I got a kick-ass bathroom. Your tub is bigger than my bedroom. It's not bad, right? Not bad. Look at you. Okay. Um, hallway. Attic? I'm not showing you the attic. Give me some foreplay. You're rushing. In and out, Betty Boop, like a virgin sailor. Well, hey, speaking of attics, when you get back, we need to go through Mom's things. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't know which stuff you want to keep. Um, none of it. Annie. We can't just throw it away. Okay, so you keep it. And put it where? Ta-da!
bedroom. Oh, jerk butt. <laughs> Not that. That is gorgeous. Oh, yes. <sighs> that hits the spot. Firm, soft. It's just right, baby. Mm. Maybe you and Mr. Mountain Man. What porn are you watching with Mountain Men? That's neither here nor there. Oh, this bed is all kinds of right. What if I came up for a weekend? I'm not here to party, Betsy. Party? I mean, we haven't partied since 1965. You're sober and I'm lame. I have to write. I know. I mean, I wouldn't disturb you. I've heard that all before. I do recall me being your background noise during your first novel. <laughs> are you insinuating you are my muse? Oh, check the facts. That's what I'm saying. Uh... Uh... I don't know, Bets. They want a manuscript in two weeks, and it'd be nice to actually do the thing that they want me to do. Two weeks? Yes, and I've been putting this off long enough. I need to write. Just get the hell out of my head. Oh, well, I mean, I'm kidding. I, I know. You want to work. Maybe if I can get something clicking this week, we can aim for the weekend after. Really? It's a long drive. I'm ready. Let's talk in a couple of days. Okay. Well, I hope you get your groove back. Thank you, Tango. Do you have any ideas yet? For your script? Nope. Okie dokie, diaper dandy. <laughs> Just waiting for my mind. All right. Good night, Cash. Love you. Kiss, kiss. Love, love. Bye. 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 Steve, can you give her the... Just, just, just give her the Kleenex box, please. Thank you. Thank you for helping us, Betsy. It's hard to hear. I know, I know. Listening to that now, is there anything in your conversation to suggest that your sister was in trouble? No, she sounded... This is harder than I thought it would be. Do you want to take a break? No, no, I'm fine. I want to help. If you need to take a break, just let us know and we'll stop, okay? Okay. Do you know of anyone who wanted to harm your sister? No. That's crazy. Nobody you can think of from your past who'd wanted to disrupt her life in some way? Any exes, business partners, anyone? No. Annie was beloved. Any crazy fans of her writing? I mean, well, I mean, that's... I don't know. The internet is crazy, so I... Betsy. Is there any conceivable reason to believe that Annie committed those murders? Betsy? No. I'm sorry, but that's insane. My sister would never hurt anyone, let alone the things that happened. She, no. There's just no way. No way. She loved people. She loved animals. She loved so much. There's just no way. None of it makes any sense. None of it. We understand how difficult this can be for you, hearing her speak, hearing her speak to you. We're just grateful to have your cooperation in this investigation. Sure. I just can't stress enough how insane it is to suggest she did those things. So your sister would record herself speaking as part of a writing process, is that correct? She liked to record her thoughts as they popped in. Audio messages. Usually she would just make a ton of recordings, give it to her assistant, and they would type it all out. And then that's when she would really start to write. 
I think that's how she would get herself started to write something. Usually she would do it while walking. She loved walking. New York City. It's a great place to walk. Central Park is, but the city is noisy. I love it to visit. Annie loved it all the time. I think she liked the noise. But that's the reason she wanted to go away to write. No distractions. No people. Yeah, that makes sense. Have you ever been interested in writing? Me? No. All the creativity went to Annie. I No. Yeah, same with my brother. Oh, yeah. If you need a tire fixed, call me. If you need a website designed, call my brother. Not a creative bone in my body. I can relate. Yeah. Um, I can make a baked ziti that'll make your head spin, but if you need help with your movie idea, call Annie. What was Annie's first book about? Her first one? Or the first one that got bought? Let's start with the first one. I mean, she always wrote. The first book I remember her writing was in high school. High school? Wow. That's impressive. I know. Your magic being her sister. What was the book about? It was about aliens invading Earth, but they don't attack right away. They slowly take over people one by one. It's this long, sprawling kind of epic war story, sci-fi. What happened with it? She burned it. She burned the book? Literally. She said it was bullshit and burned it at a bonfire. Wow. You would think, keep it, you know, just in case. That's not Annie. When she's done, she's done. And it did kind of rip off Invasion of the Body Snatchers a little bit. And the book that got bought, what was that about? It was about a divorce lawyer who starts sleeping with her client. And then the client kills his wife. But the lawyer is in love with the killer, naturally. Was that a movie? Yes. With, um, what's her name? Sydney Sweeney. Right, right. And uh, the other guy, what's his name? Henry Cavill. Right. My wife loves that movie. All wives love that movie. Well, they love hating that movie. It's a hate watch. Annie mastered that. Maybe I should get the book for my wife as a gift. The book was better, and it bought me a honeymoon in Hawaii, so that was nice. Okay. If we can, I'd like us to listen to the next communication from Mrs. Singleton. This is document number 1023831C, dated November 30th at 10.21 a.m. Steve, would you play the tape, please? Okay. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Um, lonely housewife. Lonely, big-breasted housewife. Little breast. Jealous of big breasts. Jealous of big breast neighbors. Neighbor. Serena. Selena? Selena. Selena, the big breasted neighbor. Shiny new Selena. Selena with her big, dumb, beautiful, light brown titties. <laughs> Betsy, do you mind? Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Steve, can you? Husband a little too eager to invite them over for dinner. Husband a little too eager to invite Selena and her husband, the new neighbors, over for dinner. The husband, older, definitely not giving her what she wants. 
That's what her husband thinks of the other husband. I could give it to her better. I could give her what she wants. I could do it harder, faster. That's what the housewife thinks her husband is thinking. Protagonist's point of view. Uh, housewife sees what she thinks her husband sees. Husband, originally a nice guy, swell guy, never been the type. Mm. No, wait. He has been the type. Of course he is the type. He's always been the type. She knows that. It's part of the reason she's attracted to him, because she's always in danger of losing him to someone newer, hotter. Not the first time. It's not even the second time. He's done this before. But never this close to home. Neighbor. A fucking neighbor. This bitch. Sharing my street. Street I've been on for 20 years. The street my kids sold lemonade on. Lemonade sold to other neighbors. Neighbors who didn't have perfectly perky light brown titties. She's not going to let him get away with this this time. No. She's done letting him get away. This coffee sucks. Have you heard any of your sister's recordings before? No. She's very protective of that. Writing is sacred to her. I actually feel a little queasy listening to this. It doesn't feel right. Is being a writer a very isolating experience? I'm not a writer. But based on your conversations with your sister, would you say? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely an isolating lifestyle, especially as she got older and better at writing. She would withdraw more and more. She would withdraw? Yes. Can you expand on that? She would go out less. And if she did go out, she wouldn't stay out. Part of that was sobriety, mostly. It was just because she... I can't say for sure. Um, This is just my guess. I think... She became more comfortable being alone. Was she a social child? Yes, really. Until after her book was sold. That's when she started to withdraw. Before that, she was a really fun, funny hang. She used to love hosting parties and merging different friend groups. Always telling one friend about another friend that they should meet. She was a great host. She made everybody feel comfortable and funny. She made people feel funny, a great laugh, the best laugh. I'm sorry. Oh, don't don't apologize. Sounds like she was a great person. Is, is a great person. Are you all right to continue? Yeah, I'm fine. So we're going to continue listening through more of her recordings. The next one is document number 102383 d dated November 30th at 1155 a.m. Steve, the tape, please. A perfect serve. Where a racket snapped down on a serve was like thunder. People told her she was going to win Wimbledon. Wimbledon, the U.S. Open, the French... Um, what is a French? French, yes. It's French. Um, the French Open, Australian, all of them. They told her she was going to be one of the best of all time. She believed them. And she was only 22. But then she tore her ACL 
and she was never really the same. Anytime people spoke about her, it was in the past tense. You should have seen her before she got hurt, they'd say. Oh, you should have seen the way she served. It was like thunder. You couldn't return her serve, the elegance and the power. Not to mention her body, the short shorts, the tank top, the hair twisted into a bun, that precious little bun men would picture pulling apart. She had style. Shit, she invented a style. And that moan? Mm, that moan. Every time she hit the ball, she'd moan. Men would zone out while watching her, intoxicated by her moans, the pounding of her ball, the pounding of their balls. All these men, these fucking men, these men, these dumb fucking apes, telling themselves they had a chance with her, this pristine princess. Her torn ACL made her seem accessible, as if the wounds were an invitation for mediocrity. Her sponsors stayed, though, like leeches, sucking out every ounce of sex appeal they could squeeze through their fangs, because she still had that body. They didn't care about the ACL or the decline in rankings. Men didn't care either. The women did. A woman hated how much money she made off the court. They were better, but poorer. She began to lose trust. She became a commodity. And then she met him, the husband. Can you tell me about Annie's husband? Edgar. He was big in the tech world. Do you know specifically what he did in the tech world? No. Does anyone? How'd they meet? Her wife was a big fan of Annie. She dragged him to one of her book signings. He asked Annie where she got her glasses. Annie said it was a real moment between them. He was married at the time. Shocking. I know. Powerful men cheating on their wives. Did they have an affair? He finagled some fundraiser and invited Annie. Told her that his marriage was on the rocks and... And? They made whoopee. How would you categorize their relationship? He had money, lots of money, so he could take her to all the places she's never been, give her all the stuff she thought she wanted, but she didn't really care about that shit. Materialism. I think she just liked being with a man who didn't need her. All her boyfriends when she was younger were codependent, and that was draining, and Edgar had his own life much more than she even knew about. What did Annie not know about? He was never faithful. Always had his eye on someone else. Token powerful man. And what do you think attracted him to her? Annie's gorgeous. Not much to analyze there. You don't think there was something else besides her physique? I think he liked how much other women liked her. Annie's books were catnip for women. Especially rich women, rich suburban women who had no real lives of their own. Annie knew that. She wanted, she knew how to tap into what they wanted. Edgar loved having her on his arm as a trophy. If he had Annie, he had other women's attention. And how long were they together? About seven years. But they're still married, technically. 
ironing out the details about how much money she would get in the divorce. So they say. You don't believe that? I think they still see each other for Whoopi. Do you think Edgar would ever wish to cause harm to Annie? No. He's an asshole, but he's not dangerous. You don't believe Edgar is concerned about the settlement he may have to give her? That's not his first divorce. He's used to this. I actually think he likes it. Likes what? The attention. If he gets divorced, it means women will know he was married to Annie. The Annie Singleton. The literary vibrator of a million suburban women. Can I get some coffee? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, you know, what, let's, take a, let's take a brief break. One, two. One, two. Sound good? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. <clears throat> this is document number 1023831C, dated November 30th, 3.49 p.m. Steve. It was good. She hated that it was good, but it was. It was really good. It's as good as it's ever been. As good as she can remember. Taking her from behind in her kitchen as she was loading up the dishwasher. The setup was eerily similar to a recent porn she watched. Well, he watched. She saw his browsing history. Each one was about women getting fucked in a kitchen. Except in the porn, it wasn't a husband. It was a personal trainer. And it wasn't the wife. It was a stepmom. The porn was good, but this was better. Hadn't been this good in years. And well, she knew why. Her. They had her and her husband over for dinner. Her and whatever his name was. He didn't matter. Not to her. To her, there was only her. Selena. Cunt. Wearing her faux wrap-style wrap-around sash to cinch her waist with adjustable spaghetti straps. Littered with flowers over soft purple. Her breasts were perfect. Her breasts were proof God is a man. Because no female God would make another woman stare at tits that perfect. He used the good wine. The really good wine. The Domaine de Roy Le Biemont. Von Romanet Premier Cru from France. He said it was a gift. He felt bad, he said, you know. He felt bad for giving them regifted wine. Wine that runs $6,172. Our cellar isn't a, a trophy case. It's meant to be enjoyed. He said that to her. The same thing she said to him. When he said he didn't want to open the Lingerie Grand Cru Côte Noir from France after her sister and her husband got engaged. No. I guess my sister's tits weren't perky enough. But that was a long time ago. Now, all she could think about was how mad that he'd made her come. Steve, you okay? Drop, drop my glass. Sorry. Well, you're not the first man who's dropped their glass listening to Annie speak. Your sister's very talented. 29% of her audience are men. Is that high? 
for erotic thriller novels. It's God level. All right. Can we pause and find a broom? Okay. Let's continue with document 1023-831. If Steve is ready. Yes? Okay. Where he kissed her neck. Where he grabbed her waist and pulled her tightly against his crotch. You could feel him. Him. The man she married. The man she married was not her husband. The man she married was not her husband. And there he was, cupping his hand over her mouth, trying to subdue her moans, her rapid breathing, warming up his fingers. Fingers that would slide down her dress in her kitchen while the maid was still cleaning in the kitchen. They knew she could walk in. And they hoped she might walk in. So they used to love fucking in places where someone might see them. Bar bathrooms, parking lots, movie theaters, but never their new kitchen. The new kitchen that she designed after he bought the dream house. The kitchen design that became her project. Something to keep her occupied while he worked. Worked. Late nights. Long weekends. Somehow her kitchen became off-limits for sex. She felt her body becoming off-limits over time. The only sex they had now was on winter Sunday morning when he was forced to stay home. Eleven pumps. She counted last time, wondering if he could go 15 rounds. She knew it wasn't because of her. It was because of her. It was just matter of time until it wasn't her in her kitchen it would be her her in her kitchen just a matter of time a matter of time a matter is that a cigarette betsy can you rewind that was a cigarette right a matter of time a matter of time a matter that was a cigarette she told me she wasn't smoking she told you she wasn't smoking she told me in our conversation right before this i mean you guys heard it right hmm. you said you two you never lied to each other hey folks you guys know i'm always diving into the dark corners of history unearthing the stories that are sure to chill Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. 
Just visit masterclass.com slash haunted. That's masterclass.com slash haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com slash haunted. I'll see you there. Next, I would like us to listen to document 1023831D. This was a call sent on November 30th at 11.11 p.m. This is between Annie and her assistant, Joya Millicent. Steve, if you can. Uh, Hey, Annie, how are you? Hey, Joya, did I wake you? No, 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 I was up. How is the- Can you do me a favor? Of course, yeah. I'm going to send you a shopping list because I have no idea where to go get decent coffee in this town. Uh, Could you just find a a local healthy store and have them deliver the stuff to me? Of course, yeah. Great, thanks. How's your dad? Better, thank you. He's better. That's good. I'm glad. Yeah, yesterday he- I'm going to email you my notes from today. Would you be able to transcribe them by tomorrow morning? Of course, yeah. What time did you want them by? Earlier the better, ideally. Okay, sure, yeah. I can get them to you by nine? Is that too late? That's great. Thanks, Joya. No problem. Have a good night. Hey, did you know facetiously is the only word that has all five vowels in order? What? Facetiously. It's the only word that has all five vowels in order. Facetiously. (laughs) Night, Joya. Good night. Good luck with the... All right, I'd like to move into her next communication. Another audio message. Document 1023831E. This was recorded on December 1st at 1.09 a.m. Steve. Facetiously? The way she pronounced it made her skin crawl. The way her husband smiled at her made her blood boil. It's the only word that has all five vowels in order. Selena's big fact. Selena's big fact. Big facts from big tits. My husband was practically salivating. I used to make him salivate. I used to make everyone salivate. Now I'm dry, deserts with no mirage of water. I spent three hours on my salmon. She couldn't even finish it. Who the fuck can't finish a salmon? Selena, that's who, that bitch. Well, my husband salivated with lust. I pined for vengeance. I started looking around the table, imagining how I could kill her with the various utensils. First, I'd slice her throat with a cutting knife. Then I'd scoop out her eyeballs with my sterling silver spoons. To cap it off, I'd pluck chunks of her perfect titties with my fork and grind them up into prime beef. Treat my dogs to a fine cuisine. Give them the Thanksgiving they've always deserved. Dog chow. That's all this bitch was. She just didn't know it yet. Betsy, what do you think when you hear that? I think my sister is hilarious. Had Annie ever written something that graphic before? Yeah. I mean... People get killed in all of her books. That's the driving force. People love that. So her tone and language isn't disturbing to you? 
doesn't feel maybe out of place. I've never heard her tapes before. I'm sure she's just spitballing. It's like seeing a comedian when they're working out their material. You can't really judge it until the book is done. So her books never read as disturbing? Have you seen Hollywood lately? Every other movie is about heroes with guns shooting bad guys with their, in their heads. So no, her books are not disturbing. If anything, they have some semblance of depth and nuance, and I'm, I'm not being biased. That's the truth. Yeah, that's true. Movies are pretty violent these days. People love watching people die. Well, men do. Women love figuring out why men love watching people die. That's our nature. Not our nurture? There's a grand balance to life that we naively think we can affect or tip one way. No matter how much nurture we put out into the world, there are factors beyond our reach that tip the scales back in the other direction. Nature is bigger than us. It's the same reason that when you go to the beach and stare out into the ocean, you feel calm. That calm is from our insignificance. The assurance that we mean nothing. To feel that we are just dust. There is nothing more nurturing than that. You may be more creative than you think. Residue from Annie. Anything I say that's smart is probably just something I heard Annie say. What are you writing down? I am making a note to read Annie's book. Good note. Okay, let's uh, move on. Document 1023-831F. This is another audio message recorded on December 1st at uh, 1224 a.m. Steve? She can't sleep. She can. She chooses not to. Selena runs every morning at 6 right on time for every husband on the block to see her while they walk to their cars. Their Bentleys, Ferraris, Aston Martins, Porsches. She knows they can see her. And they know she can see their cars. Cars that were bought just for these moments, moments when you need attention. Attention from an indestructible force known as Selena. Which is why I had to get up before her. I'd be finishing right as she was starting. Nobody wants it more than I do. She should know that. She should know that before it ends for her. It can't be easy. Easy is painless. What she needs more than anything is to know what is happening to her. The realization that her demise will not be swift. It will not be painless. It will be slow, methodical, precise. She will feel my life growing as hers is ripped away. <laughs> Shit. Shit, 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 shit. 
Maybe it was weed. Sorry? Maybe she was smoking weed. Would that be preferable to cigarettes? Have you ever been a smoker? Of cigarettes? Either. No. Well, you wouldn't understand. Cigarettes create momentum. Marijuana creates relaxation. Maybe it was medicinal marijuana. You seem concerned that she was smoking. May I ask why? Addiction is a slippery slope. You want to calm down your mind, and there's a lot of triggers. A lot. Have you ever been an addict? No. Thank God. Very lucky, considering the family history. I count my blessings, trust me. Has Annie ever hallucinated? Hallucinated? From weed? From anything. No, not that I know of. I mean... What? One time we got high and the clouds started to resemble things. What kind of things? You know, a guy playing guitar, a woman in a rocking chair, a baby sleeping. Ah, so you have hallucinated. This was one time back in high school, and clouds look like things when you're sober, too. Mostly penises. You all right, Betsy? Yes. You seem stressed. My sister is being accused of horrific crimes. Yes, I'm stressed. Well, the reason I ask about the hallucinations... What? Well, maybe... Maybe we should just play the tape. Document 102383-1G. This was recorded on December 1st at 3.33 a.m. 3.33? Correct. Steve, would you please? Uh, Sleep paralysis. Categorized as a type of parasomnia. Parasomnias are abnormal behaviors during sleep. Because it is connected to the rapid eye movement. Blah, 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 blah. blah. And... As a result, researchers believe that sleep paralysis involves a mixed state of consciousness that blends both wakefulness and REM sleep. In effect, the atonia and mental imagery of REM sleep seems to persist even into a state of being aware and awake. Uh, Hallucinations during sleep paralysis fall into three categories. Intruder hallucinations, which involve the perception of a dangerous person or presence in the room. That's how she can watch her. Selena. Selena tells them she used to suffer from sleep paralysis. Husband makes a crack that he protects her. You're not always in my bed, she says. I can feel my husband's boner nearly burst through their dinner table. Like the alien popping out of John Hurt's chest. The best alien movie. The original when there was just one monster. Monsters are scarier when there's just one of them. The devil wouldn't be as cool if there were devils. The one, the only, the devil. Maybe we are all the devil of our own story. I want to move directly into the next recording. Document 1023-831H. This was recorded on December 1st at 5.55 a.m. She didn't sleep? I can only go by the timeline created in her messages. Play it. Now she couldn't sleep. Waking up in the middle of the night. Dreaming about the nightmares that were keeping Selena awake. 
What did Selena's monster look like? This shapeless shadow emerging over her body, staring down at her while she lay there, paralyzed, feeling this cold, liquid breath oozing into her ears. What could possibly have created such a beast in her dreams? Who shaped this yellow piss stain on her effervescent white glowing satin? We sat on her patio after dinner. The husbands looked through a record collection while the wives sipped wine and talked about their youth. That bitch. Her lips glisten when she smiles. It's like her lips know when she's happy. Even her biochemistry seems angelic. Using the term youth before you crack 30. Try being 50. The number that begins the descent down the hill. She wanted what she didn't have. I wanted what she already had. Vigor. That's what youth is. Not knowing how good you have it. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe everything is jealousy. Maybe she wonders why she doesn't lust for her instead of her husband. Why doesn't Selena's husband pine for her the way her husband pines for Selena? These are fleeting thoughts. Thoughts that gradually resemble white static. A leading symptom for psychosis. Now she cries when she least expects it. Last week, she teared up watching someone eat a bologna sandwich in the park. This man, man-child, eating lunch alone. Their disgusting bologna with their disgusting cheese mixed together on top of their disgusting, cheap, flaky white bread. She thought about how lonely they must be. She thought about how desperate they must be to have someone love them. She thought about how they would treat her like a queen. And then she would break their heart because she can't love someone who loves her because she thinks she doesn't deserve love. She thought about how hard it must be for them to wake up on Monday mornings. She thought about how excited they get when the trailer to a new superhero movie comes out. She thought about how hard they must have cried when Iron Man died. She thought about how hard they will cry when Iron Man comes back to life. <laughs> she thought about how she could change their whole life simply by talking to them, finding common ground, engaging, making them realize they are not alone. They are not insignificant. She thought about how nothing is as important as connecting with another person. She thought about all of this, and then she went to get a haircut. God damn it! All fuck, Joya! This is what happens when you're a bad writer. You start writing about yourself. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Create characters. Otherwise, you spend your whole goddamn life living in your own goddamn head, repeating the same words over and over. It's a lazy, it's, it's self-indulgent, it's inescapable, and that's a miserable place to live, Joya. Writing is supposed to be an escape, not a confinement. You spend your whole life giving away your, your soul for <laughs> self-suffocation. You tell yourself that all you want is to be able to make a living doing what you love. But then your love becomes tainted by leeches. Goddamn leeches. All of a sudden, the you, 
you thought you were, it gets pulled into different directions by different people and you're not yourself anymore. You become something else. Something that the leeches want you to be, crawling around your skin, turning your insides black. Books were created to make people not feel lonely. And we are the gatekeepers of isolation. And now, at the ripe old age of despair, I would still rather spend two weeks with my imagination than an evening with a person. Don't be a commodity, Joya. Be a person. Otherwise, you, be, you become the, the one, the only. What do you think when you hear that message, Betsy? I think it breaks my heart. I couldn't help my sister. Do you think there was a side to your sister that you didn't know about? How many different times are you going to ask me the same question? No. No, she did not murder those people. Damn it. I'm just following the evidence. The evidence is wrong. What do you think happened in that house? I think some homicidal maniac stalked my sister and murdered those innocent people. That's what happened. The fingerprints belong to your sister on each of the murder weapons. No, that's not... The killer made her pick up the weapons for this very thing to throw you off his tracks. And where is your sister now? With him. The killer. That's where you should be, looking for him. Them. Them, yes, go look for them. This is a waste of time. We have been looking for your sister for over two weeks. We have a team dedicated to that search. Well, maybe you need to hire some new law enforcement because they're doing a really shitty job at their jobs. Betsy, look at these photos. No. Betsy, please. I don't need to see that. These people had families, too. Now look at them. Look what they became that night. Stop. Chopped up into pieces. Hung up and displayed. Please. Like trophies. I said stop. Elizabeth, it's our job to protect people. Don't be condescending. I know what your job is. I know. But I'm reiterating that we've been hired to find answers for these families of those poor people who were murdered. In such brutal fashion. There are law enforcement searching all over the state. Hell, the northeastern part of the country to find the person or persons responsible. But the fact remains, the fingerprints on that axe, the fingerprints on that knife, the fingerprints on that cleaver, all of them, belong to your sister. We asked you here to help us make sense of what happened. Because as horrible as this is, And as crazy as all of this may appear, the truth is, over a long enough timeline, chaos becomes clear. And from everything we have found, the one person who Annie seemed to trust and love was you, her sister. Do you understand? Do you get it, Elizabeth, and why we're pushing you so hard to help us find the truth? Yes. Great. Now, keeping all of that in mind, I'd like to know, how'd your father die? Heart attack. Betsy, I'm going to ask you again. How did your father die? My father died of a heart attack. This is public record. Public record also states that his body had been deceased for approximately 24 to 30 hours prior to being discovered. Correct. Annie was living at home during the time of your father's passing? She was 21. 21-year-old women aren't home at all times of the day. You said previously that your father passed away while both of you were at college. 
in college. I meant in college. So were you home or at college? We were in college, but Annie was home that weekend for some reason. What college did uh, Annie attend? University of Santa Barbara. And this was the weekend of February 19th through February 21st? My father passed away on February 20th, so that's correct. Why did Annie choose that weekend to come home? Seems like an awful long trip to come home just for one weekend. People miss home and their families. What are you insinuating? Your mother and father had divorced by this point in time. Correct. So your father was living alone in New York. Annie comes home and during this brief window of time to visit family. After traveling from California, she actually is not home at all. She had other reasons to come home besides our dad. Such as? Friends. Boyfriends? Maybe. I don't know everything my sister ever did. But you've said repeatedly how close you were. Do you have siblings? No. Well, you wouldn't understand. So Annie comes home late on Friday night. Your father, as stated in the medical records, passed away on Saturday morning. Annie discovered the body on late Sunday evening? Yes. And your father, he had a history of heart complications? Correct. He was not doing well. In fact, he had been looking forward to seeing Annie for quite some time to cheer him up. Cheer him up? Had he been suffering from depression? He missed his daughter. Had he been suffering from depression? He had a history of depression. Do you know the root cause of his depression? No. He didn't talk much about that. Did his depression manifest in any ways you could recall? He was a quiet man. Stoic. Drinker? He liked to drink, yes. Abusive? No. Never hit you? No. Never hit Annie? No. Never hit Annie? I said no. The divorce papers filed by your mother indicate that your father had been verbally and physically abusive to his oldest child. I don't remember that. Do you think your mother was lying? No. So do you believe that your father was abusive to Annie? I don't know. Well, if your mother wasn't lying, it's safe to assume that your father was abusive to Annie, correct? If that's what the records show. After the divorce, Annie rarely spent time with your father, correct? Not as much time as she did with her mom, our mom. Her flight history shows that this was the only time she ever flew to see her father. That doesn't sound right. Do you have any evidence indicating the contrary? To show that Annie had flown to see her father at a different point in time? I'm sure I can find conflicting evidence. Betsy, you don't think it's odd that the one time in her whole life that Annie flew home to see her father, he died? That's a colossal accusation you're proposing, detective. I'm simply stating the facts. You're trying to trick me into saying something false. If this is how the rest of this interview is going to go, I would prefer to not be involved. You are free to leave at any time, Miss Stewart. We can conduct the rest of our investigation without your participation if that's how you wish to proceed. Just know that your cooperation seems to be the only outlying factor in proving your sister's innocence. Annie would never hurt my father. That's all I can tell you about that. Depression runs in the family? Yes. Anxiety as well? Yes. Two things Annie has suffered from quite a great deal in her own life. Hence, family history. I'd ask you to remain civil during this conversation, Miss Stewart, please. Yes. Sorry. Did you come home after hearing about your father's passing? Yes, right away. Did you stay home for an extended period of time? About a week. 
Our records show you flew back to Chicago approximately two weeks after arriving in New York. Okay. Did Annie stay home as well? Yes. Our records have Annie flying back into California two days after her father passed away. Okay. Why only two days? You'd have to ask her. <laughs> what if I could? It shattered her. She had a hard time processing it. Was she present at your father's funeral? No. I'm sorry. Could you repeat that louder? I asked if Annie was present at your father's funeral. No, she was not. And why didn't Annie stay for the funeral of her father? Like I said, she was shattered. She didn't know how to cope, so she wanted to get away from it. And it was shortly after this that Annie was arrested, correct? Correct. Driving while intoxicated? I believe so. After which she spent several weeks in a rehabilitation center? Correct. It was there that she wrote her first novel, correct? While she was staying in the rehab center? Yes, it was therapeutic for her. What was therapeutic for her? Writing her story. It's how she was able to get through the sadness of losing her father. By writing. Do you recall the first line of her first book? We live in the twilight of old morality. Great quote. It's not hers. She stole it? From Updike. Isn't that plagiarism? Do you recall the second line of her first book? No. That's from Updike. Hmm. Good to know. Do you normally only read the first lines of books? I don't normally read. You should check them out. Books. Are you familiar with David Foster Wallace? Infinite Jest. Have you read it? No. Well, he references a story called This is Water, in which there are two young fish swimming along and they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way, who nods at them and says, Morning, boys. How's the water? And the two young fish swim on for a bit, and then eventually one of them looks over and goes, What the hell is water? Trippy. What Wallace is saying is that this story illustrates that the point of the fish story is merely that the most obvious, important realities are often the ones that are the hardest to see and talk about. How does that apply to Annie? Easy. We run from the things we fear. Well, I'm not scared of my sister. I'm proposing that there was a side to Annie that you're having trouble acknowledging. Because she was your sister. Your older sister. And you loved her. And now you have been put in this awful situation and there's nothing that can be scarier than having to admit that you know the monster. My sister is not a monster. Do I need to show the photos of the victims again? My sister did not do that. Can you prove that? Do you have documented evidence proving that Annie was not present at the crime scene on the night of December 31st, 2022? I... Betsy? No. No. I can't prove that. We are trying to understand how this could have happened. I can't help you. I can't understand. I still don't believe it's true. Unless she says she did it. I can't believe it. We're going to find her eventually, Betsy. The more we know when we find her, the more we can help her out. Well, I just want to help. Is there anyone who may have helped her commit these crimes? No. No, not that I know of. She skinned their bodies and used them as window shades. You don't know she did that. We know what happened to them. And we know how sadistic someone would have to be to pull off those acts of brutal violence. Were there any signs from when she was a child 
that she might- Absolutely not. No. None. Did she enjoy violent movies? Violent books? Graphic novels? Millions of people watch violence. And it doesn't mean they commit murder. So Annie did enjoy watching violence when she was younger. Everyone likes John Wick. It's a great franchise. It doesn't mean you're a serial killer, does it? The more you can help us, the more we can help Annie. When we find her. I'm trying to help you. But you're asking me things about a person I do not know. I only know my sister, who would never do something like this. Document 1023-83-1I. This was recorded on December 4th at 9.29 p.m. 4th? Correct. Wasn't the last message the first? Correct. Nothing the previous two days? Not to my knowledge. Okay, uh, you can... Steve? She needed to know. She needed to know she could do it. It. She thought about all the people who had done it. The millions upon millions of people who had taken another life. She thought about what percentage of those people were men. 99% sounded accurate. Or maybe that's shortening it too much. People love a female killer. Men killing men is so blah, been there, done that. But a woman? A woman killer? Lady killer? A lady killing a lady? That's juicy. That gets the hair standing up. That gets a lot of things standing up. Picture it. She did. She pictured it all the time. Picture a war between women. Women charging through the battlefield, wielding swords and swinging axes, cutting off the skin of other women, the land filled with the blood of women, spilled by women, while the men waited inside, tending to their children. Children who would no doubt never see their mothers again. And if they did, it would not be their mother. Not the mother they knew before the war. Their eyes would be dimmer. Their hands would be shakier. Their speech would be stilted. But this was not that. This was fantasy. But her? She was real. People would wonder why. Why would someone murder someone so perfect? So shiny? The American dream turned into a nightmare. She looked at her calendar. Kids soccer on Monday. Kids hockey on Tuesday. White wine Wednesday on. You can guess. Thursday? Thursday was open. That sweet, divine, open white cube on the kitchen calendar, untainted by the obligations of family. Open way her life used to be, before the ACL, and the husband, and the kids. Thursday was the day. Thursday would be the day she would feel alive by taking another life. The quality of that recording could indicate a deteriorating mental state. Also, that was very dark. Just a character in her book.
You don't find the similarities alarming? Innocent until proven guilty. I agree, but... She has a lot of fans. Hardcore fans. You know that, right? I'm sure you are correct. I am correct. Look at her book sales. Maybe one of them became obsessed with her books, with Annie, all of it. Maybe they lost their mind and couldn't distinguish fact from fiction, reality versus insanity. Maybe this was them trying to get Annie's attention by making her story become alive. Have you considered that? Tell me about Annie's real parents. I don't know anything about Annie's real parents. Did Annie? No, not that I know of. She never expressed any interest in finding them? They found her. When? When she looked like she was going to be a tennis champion. Well, her father did. So you do know about her parents? No. Her father walked up to her once, during a tennis practice, and she told him never to contact her again. That was it. I don't know any other details about him, and Annie never spoke about it, so I didn't ask. And what about her mother? She passed away when Annie was very young. Do you know how she passed away? No, as far as I know, Annie doesn't either. Her records just indicate deceased. Document 102383-1J. This was recorded on December 8th at 2.37 p.m. Steve? Hello. Hi, Betsy. Good. How are you? I was, until now. Betsy, I have to complete my story. Can you please respect my time? People are depending on me. I need to complete my story. I'll call you when I'm done, okay? Thank you, Betsy. Would you like to take a break? That was the... That was the last... I imagine you tried calling her many times after that. Yes. Do you recall how long it was until you called her again? Maybe three. Three days later? Four. And every other day after that. I was worried. Worried about what? She didn't sound well. She was alone. Did she stay in contact at all? Once. Through text? Yes. What did it say? Don't you know all of this? For verbal verification. Can you? She said... When was this? December 13th, 2.22 a.m. Annie said, Love you. And no further communication after that. Betsy? No, nothing else. Did you ever contemplate driving up to Vermont to check on her? Yes. Why didn't you? I reached out to her assistant to check on her, see if they had spoken at all. She said she was getting emails every day from her. What were the emails about? Her story. Chapters long, sweeping chapters, chapter after chapter after chapter. Endless. The backstory of the protagonist. The crime. Her assistant said the story was approaching 1,500 pages by the end. Did her assistant comment on the quality of the work? Her assistant said it was the best thing she had ever read. She said she was working around the clock, transcribing all of Annie's thoughts, and that she had never heard anything so vivid, so real. 
but they never spoke directly. No, just email. So I knew she, I thought she was just staying productive. I never thought I, I was actually happy for her getting that much done. Her finest work. I would like to play for you part of an interview Annie did several years ago while she was on her press tour. Steve, can you play document 1023-83-2A? This was recorded on October 11th. Steve? You seem very adept at writing pulp fiction with characters that never slide into caricature. Are you aware of this? Do you go in thinking about the structure of the classical villains? Well, most books, or entertainment rather, make the quote, bad guys wholly unlike you. You know, they, they turn them into cartoons, so then you feel superior to them. I always found it much more interesting if I could make you realize that there's part of the villain in all of us. That if you go through the history of time, the true evil we have encountered uh, were in fact charismatic salesmen. If I can make you relate to the evil in my story, that means I've done my part as the writer because now you are in the story. You are the story. What do you think about her comments? I think she's right. Likeable villains are what separate good from great. It gives the story weight. Let the audience decide who should live and decide. Life is much more ambiguous than we give it credit for. And he understood that. Document 1023-831-J. This was recorded on December 17th at 1.11 a.m. Steve? Is she outside? Her GPS indicates that she was walking through the woods. Wasn't it freezing that late at night? Nine degrees. That's it? That's the last communication we have on file. Nothing after that? Correct. What about Annie and her assistant? Nothing. Her phone was off, computer was off. We have no verification of her location. But didn't her agent or assistant try to communicate with her at some point? No. Never? We have no verification of communication with Annie and the outside world after December 17th until December 31st. Two weeks. Two weeks. Just her... And her mind. I imagine it must have been a very lonely, dark, sad time for Annie. All the things that she had dealt with in her life to spend that many days in isolation, and then to shut herself off completely? The thoughts must have been swimming through her head. Heartbreaking. We have audio of it, Betsy. Audio of what? The murders. I don't understand. Someone at the party was recording. While it was happening? That's right. We have the whole thing on tape. 
and we think you should listen to it. No. No, no, no. I don't think I can handle that. You're as close to this as anyone else. Nobody else can provide the perspective you can. No. No. I can't. That's too much. I'm not asking you. What does that mean? That means if you don't comply, you will be impeding our investigation. And some people might see that as an allegiance to your sister, who happens to be the only suspect in a nationally followed homicide case. You're asking me to listen to people die. That's fucked up. Could be worse. You could be the people who died. Or the family of the people who died. Or the children of the people who- Okay, I get your point. Jesus Christ! Sorry for not being excited to listen to people die. Would you like to take a moment? I'd like to speak to my sister. We all would, Betsy. How hard can she be to find? Doesn't the FBI have money and resources for moments like this? My sister isn't some assassin. She's not some spy. Find her. We are trying to find her. But we need your help. I'm trying to help. Are you ready? Okay. Document 102383-1K. This was recorded on December 31st at 11.53 p.m. Steve? Wait, 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 wait. Just one second. Play it. Sandra? Sandy? Yeah? There's a woman at your door. Huh? There's a woman at your door. Says she knows you. Who is it? She wouldn't say. Just says she knows you. Okay. Bob, will you hold my... Honey, who's here? I don't know. I'm gonna go see. Bob, you're missing this. Whoa, look at those dance moves. Woo, there we go, Martha. Was that a moonwalk? <laughs> zoom in, zoom in. Don't direct the director, Martha. I've been called the Spielberg of my law firm. Jules, take this so I can get in there. Uh-oh, Bob's getting in the mix. Woo, 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 woo! You getting this? The camera loves you, Bobby. <laughs> oh my God. Miss, are you okay? Where's Sandra? Sandy? Oh my God! Sandra? <laughs> Sandra?
911, what's your emergency? Help. Please help. Help! Ma'am, what is your emergency? She killed me. Ma'am, try to breathe. Talk to me. What is your location? I, I don't know. A friend's house of my husband. Ma'am, can you find your location? No. No, I can't leave the room or she'll... Oh my god. Oh my god, she's, she's coming up the stairs. All right, ma'am. Stay calm. We are going to trace your call and then send a car up there. Please hurry. Please. 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 Ma'am, just breathe, okay? Can you do that? She, she's coming down the hall. Just breathe, ma'am. I'm here with you, okay? Just breathe. We're gonna have someone there soon. Ma'am? Who's there? Who's- Ma'am? What was that? Ma'am? Hello? Ma'am? Hello? Ma'am, we're coming. Ma'am? She's... Ma'am, stay with me. Stay with me, ma'am. You back with me? We're on our way. We'll be there very soon, ma'am. is what we feel. Ma'am. Hello? Ma'am? Betsy? Betsy. That was... Horrific. Yes. The police arrived at 12.26 a.m. The blizzard was so bad that night that they were unable to get there before the massacre, nearly half an hour after the attack, almost as if the killer knew. They knew that they had time, time to kill and time to get away. Six people slaughtered, and the closest neighboring house was Annie's. That doesn't prove anything. The cops went to Annie's house the next morning, but she was gone. They said the inside of her house was chaotic. The entire house had been turned upside down. There was writing all over the walls in a language that they did not understand. Shattered glass all on the walls, endless rows of paper torn and tossed in every room. Slices of meat, raw animal meat, splayed all around the kitchen floor. Home invasion. Some lunatics must have broken into her house. And I don't want to say what they did to her. The police dusted for fingerprints when they got to her house. The fingerprints they found in Annie's house matched the prints found at the crime scene on all of the murder weapons. The multiple murder weapons that were used at the massacre. So, uh, they must have... Must have what, Betsy? Used her fingers to... Used her fingers on the murder weapons. Yes, those maniacs cut off her fingers and smeared them on the weapons. That's crazy, Betsy. That's not as crazy as the suggestion that my sister is a killer. Betsy. You're crazy. Don't call me crazy. But you're not making any sense. Do not call me crazy. You're not making any sense. Don't call me. What are you hiding, Betsy? Nothing. Stop wasting my time. You're wasting time in here with me when the killers are still out there. When did the murders take place? What? When did the murders take place? Um, yeah. 
you you said it. Say the date. New Year's Eve. The murders took place on December 31st, 2022. Right. New Year's Eve, a time for celebration, a time for friends and family to get together and to celebrate the future, toasting to a new year. I know. That's awful. When was the last known sighting of Annie? On... You said it. When was the last known sighting of Annie? January 4th. The last known sighting of Annie was on January 4th, 2023. Right. Correct. Wait. Wait, but that that doesn't make sense. She... I thought you said she disappeared. On January 4th, Annie Singleton went to the Phelps Barn Pub, right here in Grafton, Vermont. What? That doesn't make... At 9.30 a.m. on January 4th, Annie sat down, ordered a meal, and ate her food. Right there, in broad daylight, in front of 20 people. I don't understand. I thought people were looking for her. How would she have been able to just stroll into a pub and order food when the entire police department and FBI were looking for her? How was she able to do that? She wasn't. Annie was arrested. Right there. In Phelps Barn Pub on the morning of January 4th. You you arrested her? The bartender saw her face on the news, called the cops, and they showed up six minutes later to arrest her for the murders of six people. You're not You're not making any sense if you arrested her where is she steve no where is my sister i'll show you detective where is my sister you want to see your sister yes now i'll show you listen to the tape steve document 102383 1l this was recorded on january 4th 2023 at 237 p.m today is january 4th 2023. Is that you? My name is Vincent LaRusso. I am a detective with the Grafton, Vermont Police Department. Joining me is Annie Marie Singleton. Miss Singleton, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to an attorney. If you cannot afford an attorney, one will be provided to you. Miss Singleton, do you understand the rights presented to you today? Yes. Mrs. Singleton, do you wish to contact a lawyer to be present with you here today? No. Mrs. Singleton, do you know why you've been brought in for questioning today? Yes. Mrs. Singleton, you have been brought in for questioning regarding the murders of Julia Peck, Martha Russell, Bob Stanwick, Sandra Stanwick, Charles Peck, and Simon Russell. You understand, Mrs. Singleton? Yes. Do you confess to the murders of the people named? No. Mrs. Singleton, knowing that your fingerprints have been found on each of the respected weapons found at the scene of the crime, I'm going to ask you again. Do you confess to the murders of Julia Peck, Martha Russell, Bob Stanwick, Sandra Stanwick, Charles Peck, and Simon Russell? This isn't Annie. I'm sorry, Mrs. Singleton. Can you repeat that, please? This isn't Annie. I don't understand. This is Betsy. What is this? What are you doing? Betsy, please. Just listen to the tape. No. This is crazy. I don't understand what you're doing. What are you... Hey! Hey! Why am I handcuffed? What is this? Steve. No! No! Don't touch me! Don't you touch me! Betsy, you're going to hurt yourself. Get off of me! Get off of me! It's all right, Betsy. We just want you to calm down. Listen to the tape. Please, Betsy. Just calm. Get off of me! Get off of me! Where is my sister? Where is my sister? Steve, sedatives. Get off of me! Get off of me! Calm down. Breathe in and out. 
Breathe in and out. Show me my sister. We will, but you have to calm down, okay? Calm down, and we will show you your sister. Okay? Betsy, do we have a deal? Yes. Okay, Steve, press. You said your name was Betsy? Yes. Mrs. Singleton, what's your name? Betsy Stewart. No. No. Annie? No. Annie, we know you're in there. No. We understand, Annie. We understand why you did it. No, please. We know why you made up Betsy. No, 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 no. But we need you to confess, no. Annie. No. Stop. Annie, we know you're in there. No, 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 no. Annie, we need you to confess. I am not Annie. I am not Annie. Annie, stop. I am not Annie. Betsy, stop. Show me my sister. Show me my sister. Show Stop me my your head. sister. You're going to hurt yourself. Show me my sister or I'll kill you. Steve, sedatives. I'll kill you. 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 Kill you. Let the record state that sedatives were necessitated to prevent the patient from injecting serious harm to themselves. Annie. Annie, please respond. Annie. I'm not, I'm not her. You have been placed under solitary confinement in the Vermont Psychiatric Care Hospital. You have been here for two weeks, pretending to be someone you're not. No. You created an alter ego to cope with what you did. No. Yes, Annie. Yes. We know you're in there. We know you can hear us. No. Please. I miss my sister. Listen, Annie. Listen to the sound of your voice. Mom, I want my mom. Listen to the sound of your voice. Mommy? Mom. Listen to the sound of your voice, Annie. Please, no. Steve? No. Your name is Betsy Stewart. That's right. How can I help you? Betsy Stewart. Technically, it's Elizabeth. But nobody calls me that except for my parents. But they've both passed away. Everyone just calls me Betsy or Bets. Mrs. Stewart. Mrs. Stewart? Miss? Miss Stewart. Stewart. <laughs> I'm not married. The patriarchy is bullshit. Pardon my French. I've always been a feminist. That's why I got into teaching. Shaped those young minds early. You know, huh? let the little girls know that they can do anything. I didn't have that growing up. My parents weren't exactly supportive, you know? If you, you know what I mean? mean? Especially to my older sister, Annie. Annie. Talk to us. This isn't Annie. We know why you created her, Annie. We know that you're trying to escape the pain and the reality of what you did. But those families, the families of the victims, they will never have peace. Not until you confess to your crimes. No, it's not... Accept what you did. No, I... Admit who you are. I...
Hello, Detective. Annie? Oh my god! Steve! I'm... All we are is what we feel. Seclusion. Written by John Sachs. Starring Alexandra Gomez, Elaine Adelia, and Christopher Feinstein. Supporting voices provided by Mia Christinis, Justin Feinstein, Frank Bonacci, Deborah Bonacci, and Megan Feinstein. Executive produced by Justin Feinstein. Edited by Christopher Feinstein and Frank Bonacci. This has been a Yes, Have Some production. Yes, Have Some.